0: I want to highlight this episode as potentially triggering for some of you. I will say that any episode could be a bit triggering and just ask that you use some self-care and if you start to feel too emotional, too triggered, and that you maybe can't handle today the conversation, press pause and come back to it later if you feel like it. I won't say that in front of every episode, but I did want to call particular attention to this episode, as it certainly could be a triggering conversation for you. However, it's a very juicy conversation. We're going to dive into could you, should you, would you rebuild a relationship after infidelity? Dr. Ruthane Harper, coming up. Welcome to Top Self, the podcast dedicated to relax your mind, achieve change, and become a healthier, more present you. Are you ready to move past the daily anxiety, comparing and doubting yourself, and feeling like you're not enough? I'm your host, Shannon Bryant, and I've ruined many good relationships because of my jealousy and stayed way too long in some bad ones because of my insecurity but I stopped letting fear drive my actions. And now I can't wait to share with you as I dive into these emotions, shed light on how they might be impacting your life and uncover strategies to break free from their grip. It's time to start living a life of confidence. So get ready to ignite your self-worth and transform your life because my friend, you are worthy. Unfortunately, some of us have been in past relationships where we have experienced some betrayal, or we may be in a current relationship that we're trying to work through that. So here to talk all about building relationships after betrayal is clinical psychologist, Dr. Ruth Ann Harper. Welcome. Oh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So glad you're here. And I know that there are many questions around this topic, and I know there are a lot of people that are trying to make things work. What's maybe the number one question that you get from the person who was done wrong?
1: Oh, gosh, there are so many questions. Will I ever be able to trust again? Um, yeah, how can I know that he or she is not betraying me again? Those big ones.
0: I think the biggest question I would have is like, why? You know, I would want to. Oh, why? Why? Oh, yeah. Why? Yeah. How could he or
1: she? Uh, I think it can be. It, it, it's more of a just a shock. If particularly if it's something that's gone on for a while that they've had no idea about, and they found out their partner has been living almost two lives, it's really overwhelming, and it's a big shock. And it can it affects people in different ways, depending maybe on their own background and history and expectations and what the infidelity or the affair meant to them. And often what it means to them is not what it meant to their partner. There's often a big discrepancy between those two stories. So it, it's it's really difficult. It's really challenging. But I think, yeah, the number one question is, will I ever be able to trust this person again?
0: I know that you have worked with a lot of couples or individuals who have experienced this. Do you see in some cases that people can actually rebuild their relationship afterwards? Yes,
1: but not always. So if I meet a couple and there's been infidelity, one of the things that would make me hopeful that this is a couple who might um, be able to rebuild a relationship It's a post-affair relationship. You're not going to rebuild what you had before. You might build something different. Mm. It could be something better, but it's something different. Where I feel hopeful is where the person who's had the affair or been in some way unfaithful to the relationship, if they are taking responsibility for it, if they're able to tolerate having empathy for their partner, and really owning, I hurt my partner, my actions have caused untold damage, my partner's hurt and in no way blame the partner, take, really taking full responsibility and being really honest about what happened, mm-hmm. being able to articulate maybe what it meant to them, because very often the affair has not a lot to do with the relationship that they're in.
0: And that was going to be a question that I had because just in conversations that I've had with people who have experienced this in my own experience, I think the first thing we want to do is sort of go inward and go, what was wrong? You know, what did I do? What did I not do? Why am I not enough? Yes. Yeah. Like, why would they do that? And even conversations where people were surprised, maybe at, at the who the person chose to have an affair with, you know, just uh, they do that comparison thing and really Mm -hmm. take it inward of what was wrong with them or what could they have done differently.
1: Oh, I mean, that is such a big issue. I can't believe I didn't say that it's the number one
0: thing.
1: Can I trust again? And what did I do wrong? Yeah. And, you know, the answer is quite possibly nothing. You know, all relationships have challenges. They all have issues. But, and it's one of the things I think understanding the affair and the function of the affair for the person who was unfaithful is really critical because it's, you need to understand it so that the offended party can really understand that it wasn't their fault.
0: And I've heard that, you know, maybe some of the natural thing for the person who did have the affair is to say, well, it's because this, we had a baby and, you haven't been interested in me for however long. Or, you know, you're always too busy. You know, those mm-hmm. kinds of things where the person that had the affair is in a lot of ways blaming the other person. Yeah.
1: Those are the couples I maybe have more concerns about. If the mm-hmm. partner is saying, Well, you gained weight. Well, you had a baby. Well, you got obsessed with the baby. You haven't been paying me attention. You haven't been interested in me. Um, Those are things that would concern me. And I guess what I would often say to the person who's done it would be, well, I get all those things and we need to understand that you were maybe feeling lonely or you were feeling abandoned or you were feeling unimportant and that the affair was a way for you to get that need met elsewhere. But ultimately, was that your only option? Mm. You know, it's a reason and it's a way of understanding, but it doesn't excuse it. Yeah, That was not the only option available to you.
0: Right. What a great question. Was that your only option?
1: Yeah. And it's about taking some responsibility for, okay, I felt isolated. I felt abandoned. Well, did you take that to your partner? Did you seek some help for that? Did you look at how you could address some of those needs together? Those would be the questions I'd be really asking and looking at.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. So you mentioned you have hope for those who have taken responsibility or are taking responsibility. They're not placing the blame on the other person and they're being up front. I think the other piece that that I hear often is, you know, for how long? Like how long, right? Because you don't know how long it's going to take you to get through that. And then the other one who committed the affair starts to get frustrated because it could be three months, six months, a year, three years. I mean, who knows for some people. And so how does someone handle that? Or is that something that that you discuss in your sessions?
1: The first thing I will say to couples, if they come to me early on in this process where the affair is just being identified is... We actually need to stop the disclosure process, because the right temporarily, because one of the worst things that you can do in the aftermath of an affair is a kind of drip, 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 disclosure. Mm. So if you're like, "Well, there was this, well, there has been an affair, actually, it's been going on for two years. Actually, there was another one before that. Actually, I've also been watching pornography compulsively. Actually, I also have all of these fantasies that you don't know about. that That becomes just a repeated trauma, after trauma, after trauma, hit after hit after hit. What's much more helpful is if the partner who's had the affair maybe gets some of their own therapy just for them, and puts together a narrative of these are, this is the kind of full disclosure.
0: Okay, so we want them to come fully clean, tell everything that there is to tell, but we don't want it in pieces. No,
1: because it's just every day. It's like, here's another one, here's another one, here's another one. And then very often the offended party at that point turns into a detective. Mm -hmm. And they're going through bank statements and they're going through phone messages and they're going through emails and they're asking everybody in their social network, did you know, do you know anything? Do you know anything? You really want that disclosure to handle it well. You need to have a full story. And ideally with some explanation about these are the factors that contributed, not the excuses, but the contributing factors.
0: Well, and I would imagine when this happens, I I think what you just said is really valuable for for anyone listening that's going through this because I would guess when this happens, it's a question that we ask, right? Like, tell me everything. And we probably maybe in most cases are not getting everything. And then like you said, then it becomes where oh my gosh, well, I didn't even know this was a thing. And now I find out this other thing. And so I'm researching that and digging into that. And how long did that also go on? And what other things are there that I don't know about? Is that recommendation, if they can't get in right away, that that person is saying, I'm going to give you time, but you need to come back and then tell me full story of everything?
1: If this is going to be done really well, that the person who's had the affair or if an affair's been identified, that there is an acknowledgement that something has happened and that they ASAP get themselves into therapy and explains to the partner, I want to tell you, I want to put this together to tell you in a way that is as gentle and compassionate towards you as I can, that takes care of your needs. Both parties, I would really be recommending to be in their own individual therapy at that point. And Then the disclosure comes, and there will be some disclosure before that. There always is, right? But it's kind of having a plan that there will be a point at which the story is told, and that can take maybe several sessions. But this is the story, and then the offended party has questions: "What about this? What about this? What about this?" And it's kind of it's it's important that their questions are answered, and it's also looking. At what's behind those questions because in some ways the the little details may not be the most important thing how many times did you have sex with that person it's, that's maybe how strong was your emotional connection did you take risks sexually Were you using protection
0: i guess you know as difficult as it may be Because you're going to have all those questions. If your partner is willing, hey, I'm going to go to therapy and I am going to give you these, you know, I'm going to give you the rundown of everything Mm -hmm. that happened. As difficult as it may be, it sounds like it's best for both parties to give that that little bit of time for that person to go to therapy, kind of get it together of working through, okay, I know that I need to be upfront and honest because there's a better chance that way instead Absolutely. of that as you said drip yeah
1: and i think some it's also helpful to understand why that drip 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 effect exists it's very often that the person who's had the affair is deeply ashamed and to try to put together that story and tell that story to the person who's been the most hurt by it both partners are getting really triggered you know they both probably have a lot of shame There's a lot of betrayal, there's a lot of anger, and it is very hard to construct your story when you're also having to deal with your partner who's in despair and distressed and furious and devastated and wanting to know, do you still love me and what was wrong with me? You can't put together the story with that person that that therapy space actually provides a really non-judgmental space where there's empathy to put the story together in a way that can be shared. That's as coherent and wise and compassionate as it can possibly be. It's a brutal process. It's still a tough process, but that is as gentle and as compassionate as it can possibly be.
0: Hey you, I just wanted to pop in and let you know the doors to the Trust Building Bootcamp are now open. Are you tired of feeling anxious and insecure in your relationship? Do you constantly worry that your partner's cheating or they're gonna leave you even when there's no evidence of betrayal? Do you feel like, ugh, I just can't trust, even myself sometimes? Well, that was me, and if it sounds like you, it's time to stop second-guessing. And I know some of the thoughts that you have, like, is this something that anyone would be upset about or am I just worried about it because of my jealousy? We'll mark your calendars for Wednesday, May 29th, because that's when our trust-building boot camp begins. In our weekly one-hour sessions, you'll learn how your brain is choosing unhealthy strategies to get your needs met and how to pull yourself out of those insecure habit loops. I lead every session live to give you guidance to learn to trust not only your partner, but yourself. Whether you're struggling with past traumas or simply want to strengthen the foundation of your relationship, this boot camp is for you. And believe it or not, we actually have fun. Don't let your fears hold you back from experiencing the love and security you deserve. Spaces are limited, so visit topself.com to sign up or simply click the link in the show notes to take your first step to a more trusting relationship. You won't regret it. See you there. So then knowing that we're going to have you know a ton of these questions, yes, you said we want to lay it all out there, but then how far into the details is healthy for us to know? Or is it situational?
1: That is situational. Like, it is not helpful necessarily to know. Also, because that gives you images in your head to imagine what your partner did, so It is. I think it is a bit situational. I think it's it's on a case-by-case basis. It's also understanding what's the question behind the questions. So someone who's like, what exactly did you do with this person? Did you dress up? Did you have sex toys? What they're asking maybe is, am I sexually attractive to you? Am I sexually exciting to you? Am I unattractive to you? Do you still love me? Do you still care about me? Did you share with this person the things and the places that are special to us? Did you take her to that restaurant? That may well be. Did you take her to the place that I see as our place where we've had so many intimate, special times?
0: Right. So it's trying to figure out, like, what do we really want to know when we're asking those detailed questions? Yes.
1: And the level of detail, you don't want to start painting stark images of things in your mind. For you to imagine, you really want to address what is it you need to know to make sense of this, to make sense of how you feel about it, to make sense of what it means to you.
0: You've worked with, you know, a a lot of people. Is there a theme? Is there things that happen to people that then this usually shows in an affair?
1: All kinds of people have affairs for all kinds of reasons. There's not one thing. And that's really important as well to understand. The person who has an affair because they're desperately lonely and feeling deeply neglected is a different psychology. It's a different relationship pattern than the person who has an affair because they feel entitled to. You know, there is a difference between I felt so deeply lonely and this person I met paid me attention and really made me feel special again in a way I haven't for years in our relationship and I did it and I got caught in it and I regret the hurt that that's caused you and my need is for connection with you is a very different explanation than you neglected me and <laughs> this person gave me some attention and why the hell shouldn't I right why the hell shouldn't I you weren't giving it to me mm-hmm it's a different explanation. It's a different motivation behind it. It's a different driver.
0: Is there a way for us to, to maybe tell, even from the beginning, if it's someone who really just, you know, they made a mistake or someone who, as you said, felt entitled to, are there things that we can look for or that are signs You know, again, it's difficult because in the very early stages, when someone's caught, as it were,
1: it's natural for any of us when we get caught to come up with excuses and be defensive. So, in a way, you kind of you need the dust to settle a little bit to see is this person now going to be is my partner now saying are they apologetic? And I mean properly apologetic, not "I'm sorry," but really. Are they apologetic? Are they really willing to look at themselves and what drove that for them? Are they willing to accept the hurt that that's caused you? Are they willing also to be accommodating of you, particularly in the early stages of being willing, for example, to let you know where they are, being willing to call you a bit more frequently when they're away from home, being willing to show you the bank statements, being willing to check in with you more often.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And you bring up a good point because I think that is something else that people question. Like, well, now, I mean, I'm going to be checking on this person all the time and I want them to call me when they're doing X or I want to, as you said, I might now worry a little bit if they are going somewhere on the weekend. They used to go fishing with their friends and now I'm not comfortable with that. And they really question the boundaries or the quote unquote, new rules, I guess, of the relationship that they're setting.
1: You know, again, this is a little bit, I think this varies as well. Someone in the first six months after an affair, I think those behaviors and the there really is a big need for the person who's had the affair to go the extra mile to really prove to their partner that they're doing what they can to demonstrate that they're trustworthy. If years after the affair, the partner wants a tracker on the phone and they want called every hour on the hour and they're not happy for their partner to go out on their own ever, that's a big problem because there's no relationship that's stifling. So there's a balance, I think, and couples need to negotiate it with a lot of empathy and compassion for each other between the offended or the person who's had the affair needs to take care of the offended party They need to go the extra mile to demonstrate their trustworthiness. They need to check in more often. They may need to think about situations that might be particularly difficult, like overnight trips Mm -hmm. Um, and that kind of thing. But there also comes a point where trust is also being comfortable with what you don't know. You have to trust it because you can't ever know for sure. So at some point, To have any kind of relationship, there also needs to be the freedom for both parties to come and go, to do their own things, to live their own lives. And there's ways you can give a a healthy level of reassurance. It's a balance between giving the reassurance, but also building the trust, which is also tolerating the person not being there and not always knowing with 100% certainty what they're doing, because you can't know.
0: Right. And so then I would imagine the idea is we you get to the root of why that person had an affair. And I assume that's why you mentioned we're not trying to go back to the relationship that we had because. Can't. So we're trying to build this new relationship, hopefully taking care of those things that may have led to um, the infidelity. Yeah. And then trusting from there.
1: Yeah. And it's not an easy process. It's a, And it's not always uh. successful.
0: Yeah. So what advice would you give someone that if they've had this happen in the past? And I, cause I think this happens quite a bit where we're in a relationship with somebody, they've cheated on us. We break it off. So maybe we're mm-hmm. not married yet, or maybe we were, but we break it off with them. Now we're in a new relationship at some point afterwards. There's no, there's no evidence. There's no, you know, I don't have any evidence of them or my new partner doing anything, but I have that in the back of my mind because instead of trying to work it out with that person, going to therapy, it was a breakup. You know, that was just kind of their, their deal breaker. That's it. That happened. And now I'm in a new relationship. How do we avoid bringing that that happened Uh, into the new relationship.
1: Well, this is where I think you need to make sense of what the affair or the infidelity meant to you. So really getting in touch with how you felt. Did it make you think I'm unimportant? I'm not worthy. I'm not exciting enough for someone. I'm not attractive enough for someone. What What's the underlying stuff that's triggered for you to really help you get in touch with that the risk if you don't do that is you get paranoid about the partner so you find that you're checking their phone you're not comfortable with them having time on their own you limit you say yeah I, I don't want you to go out with your friends or i don't want you to go out at the weekends with people i don't want you to ever work late um which becomes quite controlling in some cases very stifling of the relationship, but really understanding I have a vulnerability to not feeling attractive. I have a vulnerability to not feeling like I'm enough for someone. I have a vulnerability to feeling like I've been abandoned. And if you can tell that story to a partner in a way that owns your side of it, I have a vulnerability to feeling a bit abandoned. So it would really help me if you could check in with me when you're out. Mm-hmm. Is very different statement than I don't want you to go out, and if you are going out, I need you to text me while you're out, and I need you <laughs> to right. Yeah, so it's a it's a way of uh, it's a way of telling the story in a very soft way that where well, you own it, you own your side of that story, and you ask your partner to meet your needs, and your partner's response to that is very telling about what kind of partner they're going to be. Because if their response is, "Well, that's your stuff," you deal with it on your own. Why should I have to reassure you if you're feeling abandoned? If you've got abandonment issues, get get to therapy. I don't think that's going to go anywhere, or it's not going to go anywhere good.
0: Uh, I just read that almost verbatim in a comment on social media to someone's post who was talking about, um, you know, the the, the partner and. Um, them not understanding some of their, you know, the, yeah. the things that they had going on and having that conversation. And, and, and one of the comments was, well, you know, it's not for them. Go, you need to go get therapy. And it was just such a strong um, comment back. But I think, you know, there are people that, yes, if, if that person doesn't, you know, isn't willing to work with you, if you're working on something and you're upfront about something and really setting that stage for that to let them know, Hey, I have this because we all have things we all have. have, Yeah, we all have stuff. And so.
1: Someone else's stuff might be, I'm vulnerable to feeling trapped. I'm vulnerable to feeling like I don't have enough freedom. mm -hmm. And when I feel like that, I get resentful and I don't want that to happen in our relationship. So. That person's really saying, I need you to nurture my freedom and my autonomy and my independence. And you'll often find that one person in the couple has that want for autonomy and independence and the other has that want for connection and <laughs> knowing they're there. And that can be a bit of a dance to navigate.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That can make for a um, some challenges in the relationship for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I like the idea of really setting the stage for the relationship. I talk about, you know, setting your relationship culture. And I yeah. think that that's kind of what you're you're getting at is just being up front from the beginning and saying, I have this. And, you know, if they're willing to be there and support you while you're working through it, that's probably a good sign. And if not... Good to know early on. Yeah. Yeah. Is there ever a time where you would tell someone... I don't think you should keep trying to be- rebuild this relationship after an affair.
1: I think that has to be the individuals choice. You know, I don't think it's for me to say to someone, you know, I think w- when you're in that situation, you really need to nurture your own autonomy and it needs to be your decision. I think after an affair, people often feel really helpless, really powerless. And it's actually really common for friends, family with why are you staying? You should leave. This person's good for nothing. They're not good for you. They're unfaithful. Once a cheater, always a cheater. They're a cheat. And there's all kinds of other words that start getting used to. Psychopath, sociopath, narcissist. They all come out. And mm-hmm. you can end up feeling really, really deeply confused. And wanting someone else to come along and say, yes, you should or no, you shouldn't. But ultimately, that decision has to be yours. So... I don't think I would ever say you ought to leave, (laughs) but I might be direct and say, we have to look seriously at what we're seeing, which is a partner who isn't able to acknowledge the hurt they've caused you, isn't able to give, you know, particularly if you've done that disclosure process, and then you start finding out there are big things that were kept from you. So they've betrayed you repeatedly. There are questions
0: here. Mm Mm-hmm. Kind of going back to the the drip piece of it, because I think that that is really eye-opening. But it could be just that they did it all in one swoop, mm-hmm. right? But them only telling you the pieces feels like just another betrayal, even though it was all at the same time. Like, it could have been with the same person. They just didn't know that you were communicating through Snapchat. <laughs> because you hadn't disclosed that that's how you were talking with them. It's like the details. Yes. Yeah. It,
1: it's, its again, it's understanding. Not disclosing a detail that's kind of incidental. Snapchat, WhatsApp, Messenger, whatever. It, that's incidental. The question would be, was it deliberately kept? Was there a reason this was kept? Was this a deliberate withholding of something because they thought they would get in more trouble for that or they thought it would be particularly hurtful to you or they didn't want you to know that. So you couldn't go and check in their Snapchat, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's kind of understanding a little bit. Is is it the detail that you didn't know, or is it the, is there an overall picture that you didn't know?
0: So, um, really, if we're trying to rebuild a relationship after, a betrayal we're looking for things like are they committed to the process going to you know agreeing to go if, to therapy if that's what you all are choosing yeah they're being upfront and honest with all of the details well all of the meaning
1: all of the meaning all of the importance that I mean I think the other detail I would suggest not sharing if the person or people the person has been unfaithful with are known to you you probably need to know who they are but you do not need to know if they're not known to you if they're strangers to you you probably don't need to know their names because if you find out your partner's been cheating with someone called sarah every time you meet a sarah burns was that sarah was it you Mm -hmm. so those kind of details sometimes you're best off not knowing because it's also incidental who cares if it was sarah or sally or jane but I had one affair over five years versus I had many acquaintances with women. I was meeting for sex or I met someone at work and we had really exciting times together versus we formed a relationship that you had no idea about that was really intimate and close. And he knows things about me that you'll never know. So that's the quality that you need. It's the quality of the affair that you need to know about and what it meant to your partner. Was it excitement? Was it a way of coping with difficult feelings? Was it a way of not feeling abandoned? Was it a way of getting revenge on you because they were angry at you?
0: And if they don't want to share those types of things? That's a problem
1: because you don't understand what's happened. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah
0: uh and i would imagine it's so hard to not ask those questions like i want to know if it was sarah or kim or you know what was her name and what did she look like and how tall is she and what does she do for a living i feel like i'd want to know all of those things so it's good to know that it's not you know thinking about it in the point from the stance of protecting ourselves yeah by not asking those types of things versus why well, I'm letting them off the hook that they don't have to tell me. Yeah. But and
1: also those are the easy details to tell. She's five foot five, she works as a receptionist. He's six foot well, way to make your partner have a complex about their height. Those are they're they're irrelevant. In a way they're details, but they're not relevant to you really. They're not relevant to what the affair meant. They're not relevant to what it means to you or what it means to your partner. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. And I had not thought about that before of, you know, how much of this is really good to know and what's healthier for me to not know.
1: Yeah. And this is why I think it's helpful for both partners to be in their own individual therapy, because you need to know what's important to you. You need to know what's important for you to know. And having someone help you think through that is invaluable and if the two therapists can speak to each other, so much the better. I like, in those, these kind of situations, I really like, I don't have to know everything about the other person's therapy or disclose everything about the person I'm seeing's therapy, but to kind of have a sense from each other of how you understand each of the individuals, what might be difficult for them, and then the disclosure process done well can actually involve both therapists in the room at the same time because it really helps to navigate that process and make sure that no one gets forgotten you know so if I'm there with a person who's had the affair for example and I really understand things I can prompt them to make sure they disclose those things So it's kind of like the therapist can be looking out for the things that the other one might be missing. And it can be just so helpful to navigate that process if the two therapists are speaking to each other.
0: Thank you so much for this conversation. I know that, you know, it may be, you know, difficult for people to kind of wrap their head around not asking a ton of questions and giving the person who had the affair a little bit of time to come with the full story it sounds like it's so key to having success and trying to build a new relationship after that so thank you for sharing those oh you're so welcome I hope it's helpful to people Dr Ruth Ann Harper thank you so much for being on top self if you're feeling alone in your jealousy or your insecurities or even in your personal growth journey, join the group of amazing people inside the Jealousy Junkie Facebook group. It's such a great place to share and to be able to connect with other people without judgment, people who think the same way that you do. And it's just an amazing place to connect. So hope to see you inside. Go join the Jealousy Junkie Facebook group today. Until next time, take care and remember, you are worthy.